When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Tendy Talk presented by the BLPA Podcast Network. This week I chat with a goalie whose dad and grandpa combined for over 1,300 NHL goals, but he decided to be the one stopping the shots instead of scoring. This week I'm joined by St. Olaf alum Jude Hall, whose dad is none other than Brett Hall and his grandpa Bobby Hall. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Well, Jude, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, When I first saw the Hockey News tweet where it said, what's the main reason you never made it to the NHL? And you had that fantastic reply that uh, your dad and grandfather had over 1,300 goals and uh, you chose to be a goalie. I went, I got to have this guy on the podcast, talk goaltending. (laughs) Yeah, that uh, that was... That went a little more viral than I was expecting. It's, it's funny though. Yeah, yeah it, it was the uh, the perfect response and almost kind of the mic drop to end, end the discussion there. Yeah, I think I won. I, yeah. I I won <laughs> did, did your dad or grandpa have anything to uh, say about that response? Um, so I, I actually stole it from my dad's um, Hall of Fame induction speech. Um not not really stole it, but like he he comments on it. Him and my grandpa having that many amount of goals, and then going, he was dumb enough to be the goalie. <laughs> He's like, I don't know where it happened. So I kind of just it was a little bit of plagiarism, but yeah. Hey, you, you got to take credit, you know. Yeah. No one has to know that. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. But you know, on the Bar Down Beauties podcast, he mentioned that your mom was a goalie playing in men's leagues in Duluth. You know. It, if, if we look at it and wonder how, how did you become a goalie, would you say that was kind of the influence to get between the pipes or? Uh, to be completely honest, I don't think uh, that had much to do with it. Um, I was pretty like when I was growing up, I was, I was pretty oblivious to my, both my mom and dad and like, <laughs> like, especially my dad, like I knew he played hockey, but I didn't, I didn't know how big of a deal he was or anything like that. Um mm-hmm. It, it, I really was just drawn to like uh, when my dad was in Dallas, my, my favorite player was Eddie Belfour. Yeah. Um, Mine too. I, yeah. Like I was, I was drawn to him um, in the, um, uh, when every team wins the cup, they put out that uh, the DVD on like the, the team's um, uh, the story of how they got there and everything. And uh, I would rewatch it and just reenact old Eddie Belfour saves by myself in the basement. And yep. um, growing up, my dad got me like an exact replica Eddie Belfour Dallas Stars mask um, painted by uh, Todd Miska. Yep. And uh, I wore it all the way up until high school. 
and it was way too big for me. Like never, <laughs> I, I never got to an age where it actually fit. And then in high school, they like banned the type of helmet. So I had to go and get a new one. Okay. That's still, it's still in my room. Uh, I mean, I actually should probably reach out and uh, ask Miska to touch it up and make, make it look brand new again. So I can maybe just put it on a shelf and. Yeah. I, I liked when Hunter, um, when he was playing with the Colorado Eagles, I think it was last year, came out with the, yep. the Eagle mask. It's like, yep. if any goalie is going to wear that mask in the pros, other than Eddie Balfour, that's the one exception where it's yeah. like, all right, yeah, cool. He's it, Hunter's got some great uh, goalie swag, and uh, it's always been fun watching watching what he uh, comes up with designs for his pads and yep uh, the helmets he he uh, and his dad create together. It's uh, he's uh, he's got some creative uh, uh, instincts in the in the, in what he puts into his equipment, which is fun. Yeah, he he definitely got that creative gene from his dad. So. You know, I, I think what a lot of people don't realize about you is, you know, growing up, your 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 parents were divorced, so your dad wasn't around as much because he was on the road. He, even if they weren't divorced, he, he wouldn't have been around that much because he was on right. the road. Uh, how did you get into hockey, you know, um, since it wasn't as big as people might think in your life at that point? Um, so being in Minnesota helped a lot. Yep. Um, uh, when I was in Dallas, well, I guess that, I don't know if that had anything to really to do with it. Like, well, even when I was in Dallas at a young age, I guess I was, this is just going off of stories my mom would tell me, but I, uh, I would be the one getting everyone together to play street hockey outside. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was, uh, when my dad was in, uh, in the 99 cup run, um, my mom would ask if I wanted to go to the games and I'd be like, no, I want to play like mini sticks in, in the, in the uh, upstairs uh, like play area and stuff. So I kind of just always loved the game. Um, and my dad makes jokes about it still. He's like, like, I'm the one that should have played. Like I'm the one that loves the game. He was just the one that was better at it. Like, if he could have chosen, he would have played on the PGA tour, not, yep. not in the NHL. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, that um, I just kind of grew up loving the game. And then being in Minnesota, obviously it's, it's to a whole different level um, high school hockey, even youth yeah. hockey. Well, it's all very intense. And um, it was just uh, once I, once I started playing it, there was no looking back. Didn't really have any interest in other sports golf, I guess, but yeah. Um, so, so what drew you to the crease? crease um like so eddie belfort so i but before that even like i, I was still playing forward mm-hmm. um I, like when i was in youth hockey like squirts uh mites i was playing forward and i just hated it i was very lazy um with all the skating i didn't didn't do it for me um just uh, I, I don't know i um it was, I think it was at one of those ages where like everyone kind of put on the pads. It was kind of like the, the community goalie pads that everyone had to, <laughs> yep. once you, you, your name was drawn, you had to put them on for a game. And um, I don't know, I just, I stuck with it. And um, I, I kind of say it, it's definitely like a bigger mistake of mine, but at the same time, like the, it's such an indescribable feeling Um playing in a big game or, or stealing a game you had no business winning, you know, mm-hmm. like goalie in the NHL and like soccer goalies, like goalie is the one unique position where you can win the game, like all on your own. Yep. Um, so I think I really, I really learned to love the actual position. Um, but I, I, I think I would have made it a little farther if, uh, if I would have stuck with um, playing forward. But, but you went with what you love. And at the end of the day, that that's what, us as adults always tell kids to do right yeah totally and and um i I was actually just having this conversation with uh one of my teammates uh from college and um he even said he's like yeah you probably would have gone further but look at like look at what you did with with the career that you had and and the Mm -hmm. guys that i met along the way i would never have met them like things just work out the way they're supposed to i think yeah um, that butterfly effect if you change one thing it takes away all the if you've experienced down this path. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned on that uh, Bart on Beauty's podcast that Eddie Belfour was your favorite goalie. And like a week later, I had him and Dane on my podcast and I brought it up to Eddie. 
And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I knew about that. And he, he just kind of chuckled and kind of mentioned that he, he loved that, uh, you know, Brett's kid liked the goalie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but what, what was like, what was that as a goalie being able to be around and talk to your favorite goaltender? Uh, um, it, it was cool. It, so like uh, at that age, like Eddie was like far and away my favorite player in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at that age, I, I don't know. I, I was just like, a, a, it was like me watching like my favorite actor, or like what seeing my favorite concert or my, my favorite band live, you know, it wasn't really something I, I ever really thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I grew older, um, it went from Eddie Belfort to then Marty Turco. Marty yeah. Turco was then like, it was like the same level. Like I, I loved Marty. Like he, he got me my pads from like, uh, maybe Bantams all the way through high school hockey, maybe even my first year junior. Um, and he was someone I really wanted to like emulate in my style of play. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was my, my old goalie coach um, who I work with still always called me one of the best puck handling goalies he's worked with. And I, I kind of prided myself on it and really worked on it with like, I, I, I got Mar- Marty Turco's like even his actual authentic curve he would send me a stick. So like I had that like weird heel curve. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, so he was my favorite guy. And then I actually um, was playing with golf with him a couple years ago. And I actually got to tell him like, like you're the reason I wear 35. Like I wanted to be just like you. And he was saying he got to do the same thing to, for, uh, to Tony Esposito, who was why he wore 35. Mm -hmm. So that was like, that was far and away the coolest um, thing that I think I've gotten to do um, as a goalie. Um, But as a hockey player, like my, being my, the son of my dad had its perks and I got to, I got to do these things that most people don't get to do. And um, yeah, it was, it it was awesome. I, uh, I I lived a very lucky life and still living it. Well, and I think that's the key is, is knowing that and being appreciative of that. Cause there's so many people that do live lucky lives and and they take it for granted, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, aside from your dad and aside from your grandpa, there is also another family member that played in the NHL that I think oftentimes your great uncle Dennis gets overlooked too, for the quality hockey player he was. I mean, he was no slouch either. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I, it's I've never actually met Dennis. Um, a lot of my friends have. Uh, he he's he's kind of a like a stand up comedian now. Not really a stand up, but like he he would do um, like he would always go to or he went to that Jack Jablonski uh, one of the events they put on. Um, and a lot of my friends were telling me like he was the funniest guy they've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love to like hear some of the jokes that he has and everything, but yeah, I've never actually gotten the opportunity to meet him. Well, hearing some of the uh, interviews your dad's given and having the pleasure of meeting your grandfather, I, I I'm not surprised that humor runs in the family. In fact, yeah. <laughs> uh, the one time I had the pleasure of meeting your grandfather, it was at a grand opening of a target in the Chicagoland area where I grew up in. My mom was uh, working there and, you know, me and the general manager's kids were the only kids there from the employees who played hockey. Well, uh, your grandfather and Sam Akita were supposed to show up and sign autographs and they showed up an hour early before the store even opened. So they're like, well, you know, let's put you guys back in this room. And while these two guys are here, go back and talk to them. So me and this other kid were maybe squirts at the time have Stan Makita and Bobby Hall all to ourselves. Like, Oh my God. And, um, they're just telling some great stories. And, uh, I, I remember they, they had these printed up pictures of the two of them black and white because most people probably didn't have anything for them to sign. So they wanted something. Yep. Your grandfather starts writing to Joseph, but he just completely butchers the spelling of Joseph. So Stan Makita puts his hand over his clean side of it, rips it off and goes, you illiterate SOB, at least my side's still good. And I'm going to keep that. And he put, folded it up and put it in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, um, from, from what I've experienced with my grandpa, he was, he was one of the best at, at never saying no to an, an autograph or mm-hmm. he, he always made time for the fans. Um, so I, I always appreciated that. And even my dad, 
he, mm-hmm. he was always really good at it. Um, there, I think my dad had a little more of a shorter fuse. Um, mm-hmm. So once he got to the point where he's like, all right, I'm done. He's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I can't sign anymore. I'm, I got to go to wherever I'm yeah. to, to go. But if it were up to my grandpa, he would sign autographs till every single thing was signed. Which yeah. I know it, it's pretty cool. I was watching a uh, Blackhawks uh, video of the old Chicago stadium and he, he talked about it in there. He said he always made time for the fans because if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't have a job. Yep. Um, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of young professional athletes ca- that could learn from that. Yeah. Um, my dad, even my dad still says that, like he says, the fans are the most important part of the game. Uh, and any, any change that comes with the game should be for the benefit of the fan. They're mm-hmm. the ones in the tickets to come watch. And, um, my dad was always, he kind of ingrained that in my mind. Not that it really mattered, but I, <laughs> He, that's something he always said, and it's clearly from his dad. You know, you say that, but having played in the Mayak myself, and you know, those kids still come to those games and they look up to, you know, it doesn't matter the level. There's always kids looking up to us. Even when we played high school hockey, there were mm-hmm. kids that were looking up to us. And yeah. that, that little uh, fist bump coming off the ice or something goes a long way with those kids. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. I, I remember uh, hearing on one of the podcasts you did, you mentioned wanting to pave your own way uh, based on the talent, not the name on the back of the jersey. Um, and you clearly did that as a goaltender, um, but it couldn't have been easy with opposing players. Um, you know, so, some of the stuff they probably tried saying or doing, and even coaches at times, you know, did you face adversity in that end just because of the name on the back of the jersey? Um. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I never was the most vocal. I'm, I'm pretty quiet. I never really liked to, um, get, uh, I kind of just shut my mouth and, and let my play do the talking. Yeah. But yeah. Like growing up playing junior, um, I, yeah, I definitely got a, a mouthful here and there. And, uh, it was just something I, um, learned at a very young age to kind of just ignore and, mm-hmm older I got, the more aware I was They're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as good as my dad. I don't really care. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm as good as I am. And that's all, um, that's all I can really do. I, I can play. And, um, I, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say I'm not as good as my dad. I, I would say I, I didn't have the same skill set as him. Cause you, you did something completely different. Yeah. You know, you got in front of the pucks. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it's also a bad position to be when you're you're five eight. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. that's a hard uh, hard path to follow. And uh, but it was it's funny. Like I uh, in the Mayak, um, most of the goalies my four years, most of the goalies that led the league in either wins, save percentage, the the, the best goalies were the smaller, athletic goalies, mm-hmm. which was always cool. And uh, I was kind of um, that's something you kind of. Um, are uh, exposed to always as a goaltender you're you're you want to be big you want to be a blocking goalie and yeah uh, that's just like not the case and it's uh you can make anything work and um like the the best goalie in the league my like i think it was my sophomore year for st mary's was like two three inches shorter than i am so yeah yeah who, who is that goalie i'm trying to remember back then because as uh, a Heinley, uh oh yeah yeah Bill, yeah, he, was his first name. Yeah, because he had a brother on the team too. Yeah, yep. I, I remember watching him play a couple times. Because yeah, cause and, then, and then there was that, and then me, and then Sam Nelson was. He's kind of bounced around a couple teams now, but he he was in Concordia, and mm-hmm. he's a freak athletically. Um, so I, it's it's always fun seeing the smaller goalies. Yeah, well. and it, it's funny you mentioned that because just yesterday I was having the conversation with one of my goalie partners from St. Mary's. I'm 5'10", he's about 5'9", and we mentioned on how, you know, this emphasis on goalies six foot plus, to us it doesn't make sense because the smaller athletic goalies tend to be the better ones. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I don't know if it's we have a Napoleon complex where we feel like we have to try harder and can't give up on pucks or what, but we there's just a little, little more effort we have. Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with like, like you were saying, like 
we're told basically, if you're not six feet tall, you're not going to succeed mm-hmm. in the position. Like my sophomore year. So I didn't, pl- I didn't play a game my freshman year. We had a senior goalie who played all but one game. Yeah. Um, my sophomore year, um, there was like three guys battling for the position. And one of them, um, he's like six, three, six, four. Um, and I was told by our assistant coach that I, I'm not playing because I'm not as tall as him. Mm-hmm. That, I, like almost verbatim, I was to, like told those words. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like I'm yeah. clearly the better goalie. Um, the best goalie in the league is, like I was saying, like Heinle and St. Mary's. And I, I, I just, I didn't understand that logic. So then he ends up actually quitting and transferring um, to just like go to a new school just for school, no hockey or anything. Um, and then me and a uh, guy that tr- then followed up uh, and transferred um, middle of the season, me and him split almost every single game from my sophomore year until I graduated. And I went on, it was all conference my junior year, senior year. I, I played just as well, just uh, team. Um, we couldn't put it together a lot of the nights, um, mm-hmm. but it was just, it, it was a, it was a ton of motivation for me. And I was just like, this, it's, that shouldn't be what is deciding yeah. who's getting the start. It should be how the guy looked all four days before practice or in practice the yeah. week before. And um yeah, it was just, it, it, I, I learned it at a pretty young age to like really take what I'm told and use it as motivation. Yeah. Um, like even, so my junior year after um, all, all the um, stuff went down, um, Mike Eves comes in and takes over the coaching job. And after our, um, however long it was, a couple weeks of just, uh, of skates before the season started, I, I was told that I was going to be the like bona fide backup goalie. Mm-hmm. This new guy, Eric Hancock, the starter, I was the backup. So I, I approached him right after the skate and I was like, what, what, like, what can I do? Like, he laid it out. He gave me like three or four things that he really wanted to see me improve on. I could not have put more of an emphasis on that in our practices and in the games that I did get. Um, I ended up, um, we ended up up in Superior um, one weekend, and I got a 36 save shutout, and we won 6-0. And from then on, it was me and Coxie splitting every game, and mm-hmm. I was, it was, it was just fun. It was, it was something I, I needed the motivation and the challenge, and yep, um, it was, uh, it was humbling, and at the same time, it was uh, rewarding and motivating. Well, in the level play in the MIAC, it's Division Three, but I think if people come out and watch it, they're going to realize it's high-quality college hockey. You know, totally. it's just as exciting as going and watching the Gophers on a Friday night. Yeah, it's it's uh, I've uh, it's the biggest difference that I've found has been the the, the clean tape-to-tape passes, mm-hmm. just the the overall individual like skill. I would say. But otherwise, it's um, pretty. Uh, maybe not even individual skill. I'd say speed. Um, but otherwise, it, it's it's awesome hockey, and it's yeah. uh, it's competitive. And like the good, the really good teams, the Augsburg, St. John's, St. Thomas is they're fun, like they're fun challenges. And um, yeah, uh, it, it definitely doesn't get enough credit. Now, now I was a four-year JV All-Star, but that didn't mean. Um, <laughs> You know, it was just a step below, you know, the, the varsity. But at that time, almost all the Mayak teams had JV teams. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it was fun to see St. Thomas on the schedule. And it's yeah. like that that that's my game to prove to the coaches that maybe I should get the look to be called up or something. And yeah. I, I, I loved those games. In fact, I, I was playing against St. Thomas and we had, you know, we were having a game game. And I was just standing on my head, just playing lights out. And unfortunately, the team, we, we lost our gas in the third period, wound up losing in overtime. And sure. Or no, we, we tied is what it was. We tied. And I was so upset because I, I felt I let the team down because I couldn't make one more save. Right. Like, no, we, we wanted to beat these guys. We wanted to beat the big, bad, purple St. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So what drew you to St. Olaf of all, all the Mayak schools? Uh, what, what drew you to St. Olaf? 
Um, so I, I originally really wanted to go to St. John's. I was like my, if I could have chosen it and had my mm-hmm. way, I would have played for St. John's. Um, and then I was recruited by Sean Goldsworthy. Um, <laughs> he, he blew a lot of smoke and, um, I kind of, my freshman year I came in and there were, there were two other freshman goalies coming in mm-hmm. and I'm like, I was just kind of a, a weird thing right away that I saw. And even back then he was, he was telling us the rink, the brand new rink was one or two years away and <laughs> finally came, uh, like the summer after I graduated, which of course is usually how it works out. New yep. Jersey's new rank the year after you're, you're done playing. Um, but I, uh, so I was recruited there and I, I played my two years of junior hockey outside of the state. So I kind of wanted to come home. Um, mm-hmm. and it, uh, yeah, it just, um, it worked out. I visited with my mom and, uh, the campus is beautiful. The food is probably best in the, the, the state and it's top in the country. I know it actually is. It's um, so that, that was a huge uh, bonus. And then once I met the guys, that was what, that was the seller. Yeah. I, I fell in love with the the 13 guys in my freshman class and I'm still best friends with the majority of them. And yep. we're, we're, we still hang out on the weekends. Like that above anything else, like that was the most important thing. Um, the hockey was a huge bonus. Um, but the friendships I made at St. Olaf, um, was, uh, I, I'll, i never be more, I can't, I can't be more grateful. Um, yeah. yeah. So you, you did play for Goldie and I chuckled when you said his name, cause I used to work our St. Mary's hockey camps in the summertime and he would come work them. And, uh, he's a character. He's got stories for days. <laughs> uh, he's, he's somebody else. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh that rink you know yeah even i graduated in 2003 and even back then he said yeah we're, we're getting a new rink it's it's coming and uh yeah. they, they finally did get it uh again yesterday i was talking to my buddy nolsey and he goes yeah I, I still remember getting dressed for games at saint olaf then having to get on the bus to go to the game yeah. <laughs> you know it's just yeah. crazy setup and I, he, he didn't realize that uh saying oh finally got the new rink but uh you know which leads me to a question what was uh your favorite rink outside of saint olaf to play at in the mayak um so outside so so i I mentioned i i split every game with uh eric hancock yeah it's funny i don't i don't know if mike eves kind of played it out this way or if it just uh well he kind of did after it started working um, but for some reason, I got every single away game. <laughs> um, my junior year, they were calling me the road warrior. Like I, I think I played like two or three home games, but otherwise it was all on the road. Um, so I got to, I, I got to experience all of them. Um, and I found myself having the best games up in, up in St. Cloud against St. John's. Okay. Um, my first ever win. Uh, well, sorry, I, I, it was credited a, uh, the tie, the um, one in a shootout in my first uh, my first ever game. Um, my first ever like regular regular season win was up in uh, St. Cloud against St. John's. Kind of like a statement game for me. Like I said, I wanted to go there. I, I was yep. emailing the coach and everything, and um, he kind of big league me a little bit, and so I. Uh, um, got the start. We won four, two, I had 44 saves and uh, that was like a big, big, um, moment in my career. And, um, I played up there a couple more times and, um, it was almost the same storyline every time. If we didn't win, we still, we lost and I had 50 saves yep. one. It was uh, 43, 42 saves. I, for some reason, I really liked the, the, the Olympic size sheet. As a smaller goalie, the game kind of spread out, and I uh, um, I found it easier tracking pucks and um, mm-hmm. just kind of keeping up with the pace. Um, and as a smaller goalie, it kind of it um, it didn't the plays didn't never really came up like on top of you, right? Like it, and at Saint Olaf, it's such a small, tight rink, especially mm-hmm. in my zone, where like these big guys would all I would have three, four, five guys right in front of me. And it'd be really, it'd be battle trying to find the puck. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't find that. Um, I didn't have that issue there. Like St. Mary's, um, there's another really wide rink. Yeah. 
Um, we never used it to our advantage while I was there either. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree. It's nice when you're on that Olympic sheet, it, it spreads out the place. So it almost slows things down for us. Well, yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's not like when you go to Gustavus on that tiny little sheet of theirs. And I, yep. I've told the story a couple of times on the podcast of have, being used to that Olympic sheet, getting that big push because we had all sorts of real estate behind our net. And then I go to Gustavus and there's like, literally this much room and yeah. at first game I get a big push and thinking I'm still at St. Mary's rink and I go into the board so hard I bounce off of it and the puck rings by me and I look at the bench and my coach is laughing at me and like yeah. oh I, for I forgot to tell you something <laughs> you know it's like oh boy that that was a fun rink though yeah I think the Mayak is great um for that reason too is there's a ton of the, the all the rinks are so diverse and yep um, you really, you got to be aware of the, the fun little quirks um, yeah. that come with it. Yeah. It, that was one of the reasons. I don't know why I always played well at Augsburg. Mm -hmm. Something about that rink. I just, I played well there. Uh, I don't know if it was because I was disgruntled because of those locker rooms yeah. or what, <laughs> but I, I just, I played well there too. It was always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have to mention, because it's on your uh, sweatshirt, you're, you're a goalie coach at a pretty well-known hockey school. Um, how much do you enjoy coaching as opposed to playing? Um, I love coaching. Coaching's great. Um, if I had it my way, I would coach all older guys. Mm -hmm. just, um, they're more fun to coach just because they're more receptive and they're they're really they're wanting to learn right mm -hmm. um when i'm coaching the younger younger age um they uh it's more so just it's they're just there because their parents paid and mm -hmm. um they're learning the fundamentals but when i coach um the the, the high school level and on they're they're there they're battling they're like i usually get off the ice full sweat like yeah. in, in my shirt that's when I'm really enjoying it. Yep. Um, so I, like, I, I think I have a ton of experience and um, knowledge to, to um, help um, improve their games. And, um, and it's even, even the young age though, it's so fun and it's so, it's so rewarding. Um, and, and Ty Gretzky putting on the Gretzky hockey school. It's such a, it's a, uh, it's a top tier camp for the younger age kids and mm -hmm. i have so much fun helping out whenever i can i i love when i'm coaching younger kids just that light bulb when they finally get what you're trying to tell them it, you know that's really fun and then with the older kids it's you know like you said that attention like they want to get better so they're like yeah t tell me what you can and you know and especially with goalies you you work with them on something that's lagging in their game and then the next game comes and they execute it perfectly and make that save and they just look at you with that smile it's like it, it, it's almost like making the save yourself it, it's that exciting yeah totally yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's rewarding and um i'll do it as long as i can it's hard with a full-time job but uh, yep. i try and do it as much as i can yeah, I, I was coaching at the high school level in Forest Lake uh, until my kids were born. And then I decided, you know, I should probably spend some time with them. So, uh, you know, maybe once they're done with high school and whatnot, I'll get back into coaching. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I still do some baseball coaching and whatnot for my son. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun working with those kids. <laughs> Just see, seeing them get it. Um, so I, I mentioned the Augsburg rink, and I, I know I'm going through your Instagram feed. Uh, it looks like you're still playing some beer league uh, on a team with a former podcast guest of mine, Connor Beaupre. Yep. Uh, so you're skating out in that league. Um, it, it, does Con I know Connor likes to skate out too. Is he ever kind of neat on you? Like, hey, can you play out this game so that I can uh, put a few no, in the net or what? He's uh, – he's permanent goalie he's never even mentioned it um i i also would wouldn't be the guy to ask just because I, I sold all my gear um outside of my pads and helmet um so i'm full <laughs> full left winger now um, oh boy <laughs> yeah bobs bobs is awesome bobs is maybe the greatest uh, men's league goalie you could ever ask for 
Um, he puts up with our bad defense. And then on top of that, he'll, he'll take a shot to the head and laugh about it. Whereas if I took one to the head, I'm getting off the ice. I was like, that's how I was in practice too. When I was still playing, you hit me in the head. I'm, I'm not going to, you're not going to have a goal with the rest of the drill. <laughs> I, um, I wasn't quite that bad. If you hit me in the head from the corner when I was focusing on another shot, then I got upset. But if it was in, in the play, okay, I probably probably pulled the Dominic Kasha and put my head in the way anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was more so for like the flow drills, the, the, the drills yeah. that you're really trying to just dip your toes in the, in the practice and get warmed up. Um, for some reason, my team always just was bad at it. And it got to a point where Mike Eves, um, like had to say several times, like he, he got the team together and was like, this has to stop, like mm -hmm. quit hitting, quit hitting our goalies in the head. Yeah. I, I never, I never understood it. I'm like, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. We're all college athletes. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, it happened more than I'd like. And I was maybe a little bit of a diva about it, but. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they'd enjoy getting hit in the head. No. Either. When I was coaching, um, we had a similar issue with our team. So I talked to the other coaches and said, whenever I see it happen, I'm just going to blow the whistle and everybody but the goalies is skating. And they're like, yeah. okay, fair enough. Yeah. Only happened for about two practices before the boys finally realized, well, let, let's not aim for the goalie's head. You know, the errant one is one thing, but aiming, not, not going to stand for it. No. No, yeah. it's, uh, and you see it like um, in any like NHL practice footage and stuff, mm -hmm. you're seeing guys like they're all, it's all low shots. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of the classic response is like, oh, well, you, you signed up for it. And I'm like, well, even if I did sign up for it, why are you trying to like hurt your guy? Like, don't. It, yeah. It doesn't help. Shoot, shoot at the other team's goalie doesn't help that your grandpa was the one saying that, you know, his first shot of the game was usually at the goalie's head. <laughs> Again, to my point, it wasn't at his own goalie's head. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, th there was strategy behind that one. He just yeah. had that shot. He wanted to scare him so that, you know, when, when he wound up for that legendary slap shot, the goalie uh, maybe stiffened up a little bit and w wasn't going to be as quick. Yeah. And the, uh, my dad always said this too. He, he tells all the guys that still play, um, uh, that first shot, if, if guys are going to lay down and block shots, you know, like shoot it, try and like break their bones so, like, <laughs> so they don't want to block it anymore. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, uh, there's some strategy behind it. Yeah, there, there is. Um, so switching gears away from the rink, you interned at the NHL network working special events, which had to have been awesome to go to all these different things. But you've since transitioned, and now you're a financial advisor. Um, I, I read you went to school for economics, so clearly it's something that uh, you've had interest in. But th that's quite the uh, swing from working on events to financial advising. You know, right. what yeah. happens there? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so my uh, junior summer, I interned with the NHL and. Um, got to meet the great team that I was eventually working with. Like Steve Mayer um, is the, um, what is it? The chief content officer, um, which I didn't even know was a thing until I worked <laughs> for, for the NHL. And um, he's a genius in, in the game. Like he, he's responsible. And I don't think he gets like nearly enough credit, but he's responsible for all the phenomenal events that the NHL does, the outdoor games, the all-star mm -hmm. game, dra the draft awards. He's behind the scenes getting the talent, putting on the production side of things. Um, he's the one trying to grow the game mm -hmm. um, and content and, and the personalities with the, with the players. Like that's how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, Bringing so in Chance the Rapper to reprise yeah, his exactly. role from Saturday Night Live. That was brilliant. Yeah. So <laughs> things like that were so Steve Mayer does, um, he's the, the brains behind the operation. Um, but so I got, when I was interning there, I, I got to go um, work the awards, which ended up in, like introducing the roster for the Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. um, and I built a great relationship with that team. And um, the following year, um, I just stayed in contact with them. I actually um, missed a couple weeks or I left 
for one of our off weekends, so we didn't have games or anything, and I went and worked the Winter Classic um, in City Field. It was uh, Buffalo versus the Rangers, mm-hmm. and um, Mike Eves let me do that, which was awesome of him, and um, I said just helped me maintain that contact and relationship. And that summer, I got the job, and um, it was it was a lot for me. I, I went from Stillwater, Minnesota, to <laughs> Midtown Manhattan. Um, yeah. And not, I didn't know anyone. Um, I, it, it was, there was a ton of, ton of, uh, change going on in my life and I was dealing with a ton of personal stuff. Um, so I, I made it just under a year and I was just, I need to, I need to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York was great, but I, uh, home was where I wanted to be. Minnesota yeah. is, uh, where my, my heart was and my family and all my friends are here still. So, um, I actually was, I grew up like best friends with the Sagasor family and Tom Sagasor is the president of wealth management. Um, and so I ran into him over a Thanksgiving break when I was still in New York. Um, I talked to him about how I was pretty unhappy in New York and, uh, he kind of made it all happen and got me an interview. And one thing led to another, I was, studying for my series seven <laughs> and uh grinding away with the books and now, yep. now we're here two years later that's awesome it, it it's quite the transition too you know not easy but I, I i totally get you know new york almost being too much i i grew up in chicago and i loved it as a kid but to go back there now i'd be like no yeah. i i like the the calm of minnesota <laughs> you know it's it's a short little ride to the cabin and the peacefulness and not to mention all the all the opportunities uh, to play it's, hockey. It's the uh, it's it's awesome. My so my hockey team, um, my four years and my recruit my my uh, graduating class was like predominantly out of state guys, um, and it just shows you how much Minnesota is. Mm-hmm. It, it can change your mind in a, an instance. They all stayed. They didn't go back home. Yep. Yeah, I, I went to school in Winona in my sophomore year. I uh, noticed this girl from St. Paul, and as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so growing up in Minnesota, most people think you're a Wild fan, but you're not. You're a Stars fan. Um, as a Hawks fan myself, isn't it fun trolling Wild fans? They're, uh, yeah, so there's. I don't get a ton of... Uh... I don't get much more pleasure doing the things than I do. Um, but it's honestly not even, I, I'm not trolling. I, I genuinely, like I've grown up with a, a, a real dislike for the organization and um, growing up, <laughs> growing up around wild fans uh, only fueled the fire. And um, I don't know, there's just something about them that they, they're really good at taking these super average mediocre players and, turning them into superstars in their head. And I was like, mm-hmm. what fantasy land are you living in where you, you think Nino Niederreiter's the next, uh, they, they've, they talked like he was the next Gabrick and Hosa. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. you guys are crazy. Well, and it's just so funny on how hurt their feelings get when you pick on their team. And yes. um, when one of the years uh, when the Hawks beat the wild in the playoffs, I was skating the very next night at the Badness sports center so I wore my Eddie Balfour Hawks jersey, wondering yeah. if that was too soon to rub it into him. Uh, and then another year when the Hawks beat the Wild in the playoffs, um, I hung a Black Hawks flag from my neighbor's garage, and that yeah. didn't go over too well. <laughs> well I do understand it. Like the Minnesota sports is maybe the most uh, disappointing year in and year out. Um, yeah. In- Minnesota even this year had a phenomenal regular season and mm-hmm. um, they're gonna they're about to lose in five games yeah uh, I I said going into it if they can get by Vegas I think they'll gain some confidence and be a team to watch but I didn't think they'd get by Vegas no you yeah. know I do think that this year was a little bit uh, um, unique and maybe inflated some of these teams um, when were they really weren't uh anything special with like minnesota got to play mm-hmm. the three california teams yeah 24 times total and then arizona kind of underachieved as well mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I, don't know. I, I just want to see them, this team of theirs, in an, a normal series season where they're having to play Dallas, uh, Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, like all these, all these teams that. Uh, yeah. It's interesting you say that because I, I do like the direction the team is going under Bill Guerin, but I do think their stats are overinflated because of the division they played in. But yep. then you look at a team like the Blackhawks who overachieved, but still missed the playoffs because of the division they played in, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it it was it was an interesting solution to the situation at hand, and I think everybody understands that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's been an interesting year, but I, I also like the uh, the rivalries that were born this year because of it. Yep, uh, these we, playoffs, this first round has been more electric than I I can remember in recent years. Yeah, it's been a reason to watch the first round for sure. Like I never, uh, thought, I never thought. Um, people would be in full 100% agreement that like Florida and Tampa Bay is the most watched series. <laughs> yeah. First round. So, it, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great for the, it's great for the game. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Now to shift gears on another podcast, you mentioned growing up, you know, in a house with two sisters and a mom, mm-hmm. uh, you really like rom-coms. Yep. So what is your favorite one? And And I say this because, you know, I, I've been married for quite a long time and whatnot, so I, I, I've seen quite a few of them, and I'll, I'll admit I, I like them too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, growing up with women my whole life, I I'm, I've, I'm definitely more of on the on the sensitive feminine side. Like I I don't care, you know. Yep. So I my favorite rom com um, probably like it's called that awkward moment. Uh, so okay. Zach Efron, that it could be Jordan, Miles Teller. Um, and it's funny that that movie actually was the one that like uh, really set the bar so high for living in New York City. Um, <laughs> it, it, it like made me like want to live there. I was like that, like living with three friends. It looks like the actual absolute dream. Yep. Uh, well, it was because of the Sandra Bullock rom-com. Oh God, I, I can't remember which one where uh, the guy falls on the train tracks and is in a coma. And um, it's in Chicago between that one. And then the mini driver movie uh, Return to me where she gets the heart transplant. My wife just oh, had yeah. this romanticized <laughs> idea of what living in Chicago would be like. And then she spent the summer there when we were in college and she's like, it's nothing like that. No, yeah, movies I, are really good. They're really good at making you, uh, yeah, uh, putting up this facade of what we all want things to be. But yep. uh, the, the the harsh reality is just kind of very, yeah. uh, very eye opening. Exactly. I have to say the the big rom com in our house that uh, gets a lot of airtime is You've Got Mail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the kids sure. even like that one. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what it, I I always feel old during the opening and the, uh, you know, the sound of the modem and the old AOL, you've got mail, but then the, at the time it was cutting edge to this 3d animation of New York city that they had that just looks old and ancient today. But when that movie came out, I was like, wow, how did they do that? (laughs) Yeah. Technology's come a long ways. Yeah. So in the interest of time, I don't know. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, but I like to close out each episode with a list of 10 rapid fire questions that I've learned take longer than I anticipated for. So okay. I try to make time for them. So the first question is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? Oh, craziest coaching moment. I don't know. I, I would say that the majority of them would be like with Goldie. <laughs> I was expecting that. <laughs> yeah, like he, he got kicked out of um, one of our games. Um, but honestly, like, <clears throat> I don't think this was would be considered a coaching moment. But um, so Go- Sean Goldsworthy had been uh, in St. Olaf for 19 years. And mm-hmm. um, he, um, he didn't treat a lot of the guys that I was there uh, a ton with respect. Mm-hmm. And that ended up the whole team um, signed a petition um, essentially like asking for a, a, a new coaching hire, mm-hmm. um, which is super unique. And I've never heard of it being done. And um, it was, it was just kind of a unique process to be a part of. And 
that eventually brought in Mike Eves, who under my two years at Olaf, I had the greatest two years of my hockey career. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that was probably the most unique and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Goldie's an interesting guy. And I was not surprised when he said, ah, there's a few with him. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite all-time goalie mask? Favorite all-time goalie mask. Um, so I'm not going to, so obviously my, the go-to is Belfour's. Yeah. But I won't, uh, I won't do that just to change it up a little. Um, favorite all-time goalie mask. I think Ben Bishop's old mask uh, in Tampa Bay that when it got wet, um, it, it like changed colors with the, the lightning bolts. Um, yeah. I thought that was super simple and unique. Um, yeah. Cool. Marty Turco's gargoyles were um, legendary. Um, I, you know what? I don't really have like a like a number one favorite. I don't think I like the the old school retro runs. Like I like mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Smith's in the playoffs right now. Yeah, where you can see the ears and it just looks like the old school hockey mask. Yeah, yeah. He, it, I, I I liked when he came out with that one because we we've seen the old old school masks that you know, Todd Misko is the one that started with the Gary Cheevers one for Steve Shields in Boston, but Smith took it the other direction of the old school combo. It's like, all right, that, that's cool. And the way the artist made sure that the, the bars lined up with the bars on his helmet yeah. was just, just cool. really well executed. Yeah. I think, all, I think all the goalies in the NHL do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I, there was a span of like a couple of years where goalies were just so boring, whether it be their designed on their pads or mm-hmm. the masks. And I think the creativity is really being shown with these, this uh, generation of goalies. Yeah. Well, it helps now with the digital printing that they're doing on Bauer and now CCM pads. It just opens up, you know, to a whole new, you know, take it from the mask all the way down to the pads. Um, yep. So what's your favorite rink that you've played at? <clears throat> favorite rink that I've played at um, huh. so I played um, I know, it was my first year junior I played in Montana mm-hmm. there was sort of that. there was surprisingly some pretty cool like just simple rinks there um, I don't know, my, my second year in Topeka we played in to the Roadrunners home rink. And that was the biggest, coolest, um, most fans I've played in front of. So I'd, I'd probably say that it was the most like professional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It had the, the jumbo screen and we got the instant replays and stuff. So oh, I, cool. I, I'd say that one for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite goalie stick that you've used? Favorite goalie stick. Uh, I was always, I was always warrior. Um, and I don't think when I, when I was in it's Olaf, I don't think I used the swagger. I saw so funny thing about me was I never was the goalie gear guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, um, I used what I could get. I probably didn't even use, like use the stuff that I like should have been using. <laughs> um, I, but I made it work, but I like, I never really was the guy that's like, Oh, like I need the, the newest model of the skates or like, mm-hmm. I, I never kept up with that stuff. Um, but I, I really liked, uh, I mean, the Marty Turco's stick that I used, his Reebok, uh, the curve, I could, I could shoot that thing so high and far. Um, so I would have to say that like, just because it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of the same way with my equipment. I, I got stuff because I needed it. Yeah. Um, and when I went to the pro shop, it felt good. So yeah, you know, um, yeah. That's also probably why I've worn the same set of Vaughn legacies like Eddie Belfour's from Dallas since 1999, yeah. yep. because I, I'm almost scared to change and have yeah. to figure out all of these new specs. Like, yeah, where use, are the buckles? <laughs> use what you like and what works. No yeah. Need to change. Exactly. So what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Favorite youth hockey memory? Um, what's the cutoff age for youth hockey? There isn't yeah. one. So like, <laughs> would high school consider? Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, I played for St. Paul Academy, and um, one of our games for I don't even remember if it was a special game or not, um, but the student section was completely packed, 
and uh, I, we won in a shootout or maybe there was, we won in overtime and there was a penalty shot in, in overtime that I stopped and the student section started singing Hey Jude. <laughs> oh, that's cool. What rink did St. Paul Academy play at? Historic Drake. Okay. Um, right on Randolph. Yep. Um, yeah, so that was – I'll always remember that. That's it was cool. So, so cool. Um, so I, I, that that gets my vote for sure. That Yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. So what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not at you? Uh, best chirp. This chirp. Oh man, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna have a good answer for this one. <laughs> I don't think there was not a ton um, when I was at Olaf. I didn't. Um, I I wasn't really exposed to too many either. I wasn't really. I was too dialed in the game when I was on the bench or mm-hmm. when I was in the net. Um, there wasn't a ton of um, talking going on. Um, I remember there, we play, we were playing Dallas in, uh, my second year of junior in Topeka. And I, I remember the, one of the few times I did open my mouth, the guy just piped back and was like, dude, you're like, your dad was in the NHL. You're playing tier three hockey. Shut up. I'm like, All right. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I know in college, some of the uh, best chirps were heard in the locker room, not on the yeah. ice. So yeah. <laughs> best, best, best not say those in, um, on air. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the- those are meant for, uh, to, to stay in the locker room. Yeah, e- exactly. Um, so what's the worst post-game beer you've had? Worst post-game beer? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not beer, but uh, after games, we would always have to kind of sneak the, the booze onto the bus. Um, and because most of our games um, were, were kind of – I mean, not most, but the, some of our road trips were either down to St. Mary's or – um, St. John's, it's an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. ride back to Northfield. Um, and so the guys were kind of just trying to catch up and, um, get to a level where we could just <laughs> go straight to the bar after the house party that was happening. Um, so probably just a, a little too stiff of, uh, like a, a vodka lemonade, or, <laughs> especially after I'm, I'm dehydrated as shit. And I, yeah. uh, it, it, uh, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably those, it, 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 you're always just playing catch up on the bus. Yeah, we had a rare um, Saturday morning skate for JV. It was a practice. And we never had Saturday morning skates unless we had a game that day. And uh, my teammates, they're like, it's just practice. We're, we're going out Friday night. And right. it practice lasted about 15 minutes because the coach he's like it smells like a brewery here you guys like did anybody sober up before practice seriously i i i think it was kind of like in uh, anchorman he wasn't even mad he was just like i should have known better not to have you guys come out here for just practice on a saturday morning (laughs) we would get we would have like infamously early new year's day practices where like everyone's on break there's no mm-hmm. game the next day um and everyone like all the guys had to stay on campus and we would have like 8 a.m 9 a.m skates and i mean that never stopped anyone from enjoying yeah. new year's eve um but i remember one year uh, my sophomore year where a bunch of the euros were, were puking on the bench um practice was uh not productive to say the least yeah. I remember at St. Mary's, uh, Coach Olson was still coaching down there when I was there. And um, he had mentioned that he would have those early morning practices over the breaks just to maybe not keep guys from going out the night before, but limit how long they stay out because they still knew they had to get up and skate. He's like, it's not going to stop them, but (laughs) we'll we'll limit it a little bit. I, you know, you mentioned Marty Turco, and I know he's got his own brewery now. And I, I, I hope to one day uh, get find his beer here somewhere, yeah. make it down to Texas to try that. Uh, I, I'd love to get him on the uh, podcast to talk beer and goaltending. Those are two of my fortes. Totally. <laughs> um, so when you tape your sick, do you go toe to heel or heel to toe? I went uh, toe to heel. So I, I, I did the Marty Turco where it would be two on like the actual paddle. And then I would go into the blade. Okay. Two strips and then starting on the blade. Um, it was just something I always did because of him. Yeah, that that's – not many goalies I've 
learned in asking this question, go toe to heel. But uh, it, it seems like the ones that do are the ones that play the puck. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't. Uh... I don't know. I don't go, I go heel to toe even with like my, my sticks and from men's league. So it was just something I always did. I thought it was easier. Yeah. For me, it's easier because if I'm going to mess up that transition going through the heel, mm -hmm. I I'd rather start over when I've only got this much done than almost at the end. Yep. Yeah. Um, you answered the next question already. I was going to ask, you know, what's your favorite number and why, but you mentioned 35 because of uh, Marty Turco and th that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, always 35 for me. Um, so the, the last question, what, do you, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Um, what do I have? Hmm. Obviously, like the, the obvious, like have fun, you know, life's, life's short. Um, even if you're not the best, um, hockey is the greatest sport in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you made, you, you make so many, uh, great lifelong friendships along the way. Um, and then, um, when you get older, I think the, I think one of the more important years are, are the junior hockey years, even like if you know, you're not going to play hockey or in college, um, at the college level, I think there's so much growing up to do to, to be done um, moving away from your family before mm -hmm. it's like the pre-move before you move to wherever you go for, to school. Um, I think junior hockey is, um, it's a pivotal role in, in growing up young men. And, uh, you, you go into school a year or two, even three years older than, um, everyone else. And you, you kind of, you have a different perspective on life and on school and um even like partying it's it, it's just you're 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 a couple steps ahead um when you mm -hmm. get when you uh step foot on whatever campus that you go to so i think i think i i will always be a big strong advocate of junior hockey just as a development not only of like your skill but uh, as your character yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. makes sense uh so where can people find you on social media if they uh, want to follow you um, so my Instagram is just one word, Jude Hull. Um, my Twitter is Hey underscore Jude 35. Uh, that's, I think that's the only social media yeah. I got. <laughs> and, uh, nothing wrong with that. And I'll put that in the show notes in case anybody wants to follow you. Uh, Jude, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, you know, we, we both work day jobs, so it's, uh, sometimes fun, uh, scheduling around. I, I get to I take my son to baseball practice after this. It's baseball season, so that, yeah. that always throws a wrench into uh, scheduling too. So um, I appreciate it. You know, we're we're both uh, in the in the cities. We may have to uh, grab a beer one of these days and maybe tell Connor to come along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All on. right, have a good one. I appreciate yeah. it. What a fun conversation that was with Jude. It was fun talking to another fellow Mayak alum. For those not familiar with what the Mayak is, that's the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, a really good Division III hockey conference here in Minnesota. You can follow Jude on social media at Jude Hall, all one word, on Instagram, and hey underscore Jude 35 on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when I'm able to find a skate during the pandemic, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Washed Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players are chatting about beer league hockey draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and former Tendy Talk uh, guest Trish Dangles with other co-hosts filling in occasionally. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or wherever you stream your music from. As always, I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, 
shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Get on the train, it takes me away. Not gonna see you for a while. Why? It's an away game. It's an away game. I'm coming home soon. Get on the train that takes me away. Not gonna see you for a while. Get on the train that takes me away. I'm coming back to you style It's an away game It's an away game It's an away game Another away game I'm coming home soon Just me and you No more away Just us two Just us two Just us two Just us two